Hello, welcome back once again to Lifehouse Church Spiritual Warfare Podcast. My name is Ben Hobson. I'm here with the delightfully hot David Thomas. Hi, everybody. Yeah, we are hot today. And uh, it's a sweltering summer here in Brisbane. I just really wanted to, first off, thank you, MTT Ryan 88 He posted a really nice comment on the iTunes, and I especially liked him taking my side as far as Star Wars uh, versus Stargate yeah, goes. Everything was going well until there. I know. <laughs> David was reading the comment with a smile on his face, and then the smile just vanished when he, when he read that beautiful yeah. part of your comment, Star Wars greater than Stargate. I'll have to convert you, then you can convert all these other guys to yeah. Stargate. <laughs> it's nothing like the battle, the, the, the battle uh, veteran tilk, you know? And <laughs> the, yeah, there's nothing... Yeah. A- anyway. Um, right, well, what we're going to talk about today is Satan's objective, and we're going to try and wrap up our discussion on the enemy today. It, we're going to yes. try and wrap it up, because we really want to we really want to get on to other things as far yes. as that. We just want to investigate the enemy as well as we can, but not dwell too long there. Yeah, look, look, with with a 30-minute podcast, we're not going to get details, as much detail as we want into it. So I'm going to leave a lot of the stuff up in, in, in terms of putting it into the book, putting the scriptural back in into the book, yep. etc. Great. So, yeah. And what we're going to talk about is Satan's objective. Yep. So what is Satan's objective in regards to us as people, David. Okay. So, yeah, what is his objective? All right. Before I answer that question, uh-huh. I have a question for you. Oh, no, again. <laughs> Go on. What is the objective of warfare? Ah, uh, we've done this one too. Yeah, five factors. Treasure? No. Uh, <laughs> That's the goal, the goal. Man, we'll see. There All you right. go. The aim of war is invincibility. Oh, that's right. To win without fighting. To win without best. fighting. I forgot. Okay. Now, now we, we, we acknowledge we acknowledge that we, we we acknowledge who Satan is. We acknowledge that he is a very very powerful angel that was created by God to serve him, the number one angel. We we recognize that he did fall. The, the, we we can see in our, uh, Isaiah fourteen the five eyes of Satan and how he fell and how he coveted God's position. Yes. We recognize that he is opposed to the purposes of God. Now, the interesting thing is that when Jesus came and we spoke a bit about Jesus, Jesus's, um, I don't know whether it was in a sermon or whether it was in one of these podcasts. You can correct me. I can. Oh, Chris, the, the Christmas, the Christmas message for me, when I, when I, I read think about it was Jesus. A, I don't in, think we've talked about it yet, actually, uh, on here. Well, when I, when, when I, when I, um, well, didn't we speak about Moses that was a sermon, eh? No, yeah, it was, was a sermon. sermon. Yeah, yeah, it was one of my mind. sermons. Anyway, <laughs> um, you can get it on the iTunes. Yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, God, God, God is the greatest military strategist ever. And on two occasions that I know of, he sent a baby right in to the very heart of the enemy's plan and allowed a baby to grow up in the enemy's camp mm. and then use that baby to destroy the enemy's plan. He did it with Moses. Just to read the story of Moses is, is great. I love it. And then obviously with Jesus when he was born in Bethlehem. And you know what? Also, like you could argue King David as well. He was just a young boy when he first came in to fight Goliath. Yep. He was very young. Yep. And so so it's it's like the aim the aim of war is to is to win without fighting. Now with regards to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, um we, we read in Matthew, we, no, we read in Mark where, where Jesus says, where Jesus said, 
to Peter's um, revelation given to him by God that he is the Messiah. And he says, Peter, on that revelation, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Mm. So for me, when I read that, and then the next verse, verse verse 19, I can't even think of the chapter because I preached about it on Sunday, yesterday. You did. Um, where, where Jesus goes on and says, I give you the keys of heaven. Whatever you bind is bound. Whatever you loose is loose. So there's, if you think about it, there's tremendous authority wrapped yeah. up in that verse of scripture. So a head-on-head-on clash between a church within the purpose of God and the gates of hell the decree, that very decree there will establish the superiority of the church as it stands in God's purpose. Yes. In every situation. Every situation. We've uh, heard on this podcast where uh, Jesus sends out the 70 and they come back going, wow, Jesus, you know, even we we saw demons flee. And and then Jesus says, yes, I, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you power of the scorpion, of the snake. I've given you power over all the power of the enemy. And nothing by any means will harm you. So individually, when we are within the purposes of God, mm. we are invincible. So, so, so yep. this this premise, the aim of war is invincibility to win without fighting. And so that's we, as Christians, we need to train ourselves to that level. Yeah. Okay. Coming to the devil now, he is a supreme strategist himself. Yes. I I, I give him that mm-hmm. because. With no authority over the church, with no authority or power over Christians, mm. he still achieves his purpose and aim. That is pretty remarkable. Against the church, against the Christians. It is. It's, it says straight up, like you said, you've got the keys to heaven. We, we, we've we got it. Bind we can everything. We have got loose, it. Yeah. yeah, we have got it. And yet, you see... Christians going down left, right, and center. Definitely. To the attack of the enemy where he has no power, he has no. So, this is an important it is. question to actually look at. What is his objective and how does he achieve his objective? How does it go about? All right. So, his objective, obviously, like any general, is to come against you and beat you without fighting you because if he fights you he's going to lose the bible says if you resist the devil submit yourself to god resist the devil he will flee from you mm-hmm. he will flee from you that's no small thing it's no small thing he knows this yeah okay yet the big yet but the big but yeah why then do christians go down left right and center that's an interesting question david all right so his objective now satan's objective is to is to get you to sin. And his, his objective is to get me to sin. Yes. Okay. How does he do that? If he has no authority over me, he has no authority over the church, I'm walking with God, I can loose things, bind things, I have the authority of the kingdom of heaven. How does he do that? How does he get me to sin? How does he work that way? Well, he's a great strategist. So he accomplishes the most by trying to do the least. And so he's got these miserable little weapons that he throws at you time in and time out. And he gets you to sin by hammering you, by, 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 by using these various weapons like the deception. Hmm. 
he'll come and deceive you. And, there's, and, and we're going to discuss these weapons when we do weapons training. We, and the, the, we're going to unload and unlock what deception looks like. Uh, rejection. So say he comes at me with yeah. deception or he comes at me with rejection. Are you saying that if I were to recognize these things in my life, I can bind them from me and have done with it? Okay. Ed Murphy, Spiritual Warfare Handbook. You know I've been quoting that extensively. Yes. It's one of my handbooks that I use in, in, in the development of my understanding of spiritual warfare. Very good. He says, spiritual warfare is a multidimensional war. Primarily, it's a war against the flesh. It's a war against the systems of this world, and then it's a war against supernatural evil. Now, obviously, Satan comes in and he uses the systems of the world. He infiltrates them with his people, and he tries to twist and turn them to use against you. Mm-hmm. And then what his purpose is, is because he cannot handle a front-on-front attack with you, he then comes in to try and activate your sinful flesh. Unfortunately, you always have the flesh with you. It's that conflict we talk about, or Paul talks about in the scriptures. You know, I want to do this, but I don't, and I do, yeah, and I don't. And uh, yes, you get that thing? I definitely right, You've got this flesh, this flesh there. Okay, let me, as I said before, I have to use, unfortunately, a Star Wars um, <laughs> illustration you know, Jabba the yes. Hutt Jabba the Hutt yes alright just imagine Jabba the Hutt is your flesh it's this thing it's just it's just ugly it's snotty it's gross and it grows and grows and grows and, and, and it grows because it fulfills the desires its desires so you've got physical desires you've got emotional desires you've got spiritual desires and the devil comes in and he tries to tempt you to activate your desires in the wrong arena. Mm-hmm. So, for example, he'll try and tempt you to activate your sexual desires outside of the arena of marriage mm-hmm. to commit sin. Yes. So he he'll hammer young boys from primary school, get them addicted to porn. Is that what you're saying? When like the system of the world is so, that what you're saying? Yeah. So the system he'll use the system coming in. He'll use circumstances coming in. He'll get to know who you are. He'll get to know your strong points, your weak points, and he'll keep trying to come in down the old paths to try and activate these points. And so what happens is, is, is through various means like we, we read in the, uh, we do in the wild at heart, the wounds. Mm-hmm. So he'll get wound, you know, he'll start wounding you, and the wounds often, I believe, cover up your gifts and strengths. And so he'll, he'll, he'll start to train you through wounds and through the development of strongholds within your life. To then start misusing your gifts and strengths. Or to look at your gifts and strengths as bad things. As bad things, yes. yeah. And so what happens is he will come in and he will use these avenues to achieve his objective, his aim. His aim is invincibility. He wants to become invincible to you. He, he doesn't want you to defeat him whatsoever. He knows if you stand up and become awake... And go at him and rebuke him and bind him and loose. Go in an Isaiah 61 situation, a Matthew 28 situation. He knows he will have to back away from you. Mm. He will have to back away from you because you carry, as the member of the church, you carry authority. You carry the power of God. You carry the name of Jesus Christ. And you exercise that authority. He knows that. And so what his main objective is, is his main objective is to try and um, neutralize you and keep you sleeping, keep you bound, and keep yourself bound. So he will make you bind yourself. 
Yeah, that's... Those guys in Isaiah 61, prisoners, blind, who put them there? Mm. They did. It is the funniest prison you will ever experience when you go in there. Not funny as in humorous. No, no, no. Tragic. Strangest. Strangest. Yeah. Because the prison has no doors. The guards have no authority. Hmm. If you bind them, they will be bound. If you loose those people, they will be loosed. Yeah. You know, if you if you implement scriptural patterns within those prison prisoners, those prisoners will become free it, it, without a doubt. Actually, I noticed that this morning I was having a, a talk with God as I drove to the video store, and I was talking to him about why do I not, why do I always feel like I'm going to fail and then never actually go out and and try my hand at stuff because I, I have this big fear of failure. And God said to me, well, why do you? Why do you think you have it? And I'm like, I just, I know I'm going to fail is the thought that first came up in my in my heart. Like I felt every situation I walk into, I know I'm going to fail. And I have no idea where that's from. But somewhere along the lines, I have made this agreement and I have bound myself, consigned myself to failure because I treat everything in that every task that comes at me, I come at it with this, this, this sort of this background, subtle hints of you're not going to succeed. You're going to fail at this. Why bother trying? And so I don't try my hand at stuff. That's, that's, that, that is a good illustration. If I might just change one word of your go, story. Go for it. Is you bind yourself in your, your, your fear of failure binds you into inactivity. Yeah, exactly. So you are bound in inactivity, but it's the fear of failure that is the chain around you. And you've put the chain around yourself. I've wrapped myself up in it, yeah, exactly. Okay. And now the devil is saying, oh, you step out of that prison door and you unchain yourself. You're going <laughs> to fail. Yeah. And the Lord is saying, well, so what? That's exactly what he said. So what? So what if you fail? It's a stepping stone to yeah. success. I said, and as I was praying and sort of renouncing the agreements that I've made and sort of binding that sort of stuff from me, like as, as exactly what you said. As I was doing that, God said to me, you know, every mistake you make is not a mistake because it's a step closer towards yeah. being successful with me. And that was the truth. So I started yeah. to pray that truth within me. And yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. I've got authority over this. I don't need yeah. to be fearful of failure. No, I mean, one John, one nine. If, you're fa- if you confess, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins. It's 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 the in in, in this arena. Let, let if 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 I can equate failure to sin, go for it. All right. The the area of danger comes in when the sin moves from being a fault to being a habit. Okay. Now remember, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know whether we spoke about it on podcasts on, on podcast once, but. When we spoke about sin, can a Christian sin? The, obvi- the obvious answer is yes, with an H-E-L-L, hell yes. Mm. A Christian does sin <laughs> big time. Yes. Um, but they sin in three areas. All right, a mistake. Oh, no. You know, bang. Yep. Or there is a fault, or there is a hidden sin that's a habit. Yeah, it becomes habit. Now, now the, the mistake, Jesus has given us a mechanism for dealing with mistakes. Repent, mm-hmm. confess your sin. He is faithful and just to forgive your sins. You can see it in the Lord's Prayer. You can see it everywhere. That repentance, if it's, if it's a, a fault with someone else, that you've messed up with someone else, Matthew 18, that person can come to you. You can go to that person and repent, 
confess and you have gained a brother for life. The, the mechanism is there. I had to do that with your son yesterday, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> In anger, I accidentally, I got a bit flustered and I accidentally called him a, a name. That's not, it's not a bad name, but it's not great. Oh, that didn't, didn't, that, my sermon didn't help then either. It did, did it? help. <laughs> I was listening to your sermon <laughs> about rebuking and conviction and all this stuff. So afterwards, I, I went up to him, I gave him a hug. I was like, I'm really sorry I said that. Did he remember it? Or he, he didn't remember that sort of thing. <laughs> I didn't think he would. <laughs> He's like, I didn't even hear. And I was like, ah, oh, my guts are all churning. And... But you're right. Like I went up yeah. to him and just said this and it was smoothed out. What if yeah. I just left it? What if I just walked well, away? Well, the enemy, the enemy would have hammered you with guilt and condemnation. Exactly. So there's another weapon that we're going to be looking at, how he uses guilt and condemnation to disqualify Christians mm. and how, they, how he uses that to make them disqualify themselves. He can't disqualify you. Mm. He can't rule you out of bounds. He can't judge you. Mm. He can do nothing against yeah. you. It's he has, like, hello. He has no authority you know? there. Now, going back to the sin thing, when it's a fault, obviously that's when the Holy Spirit is going to begin to step in and deal with the fault because of, more often than not, that fault is, 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 is down a, a, a line of hurt, damage, where the Lord will have to go back and we deal with that at boot camp where we go in and deal with wounds, etc. And we look, yes. at, look at people. Now, it becomes habit. Now, the fault is often habitual. When it becomes habitual bad is when the Holy Spirit is convicting us and we're not listening. Mm. And that's where we, that's where, where, where the disciplinary process of the Lord and the church begins to take into effect. The enemy knows this. The enemy knows this. And so what he does is he will try and activate your desire. And remember, desires are, are just desires. But if you exercise your desires according to the lust of the flesh, you're going to then start going on to very, very dangerous ground. The law of sowing and reaping that I preached about yesterday, all that starts to take effect in your life. Mm. But the devil knows that the biggest law that begins to take an effect when he gets you to sin is you bring down upon yourself the curse of God. And the curse of God in this, in this context is the law of sin and death. Mm. Now, I've preached about the curses to us as a church quite a while ago, but I just want to just share with you what a curse is. According to a chap called Richard Longworthy, he says this, a curse is the favor of God turned away from us and a removal of his promises to uphold all things. So the minute we enter into sin, mm. okay, a number of things start to take place within our life. The law, even though we're Christians, the law of sin and death begins to be implemented within our life, within our relationships, within our environment. It just starts to permeate everything because our fellowship with God, not our relationship, remember, our fellowship with God is severed there. It becomes habitual. It becomes addictive. And we start on this path of, of, of stepping out of God's favor, stepping out of his promise to uphold. Yeah. That is the aim of the devil. Mm. Now, do you see how he can beat you? Yeah. He will beat you by making you sin. And so he provides the systems and the means to attract you to exercise your will to violate God's promises and purposes in your life. Mm. Okay, and that, that then begins the, uh, the downward spiral. 
The second thing it does, the second, so that's the first thing it does. The first thing, it, it, it just activates the law of sin and death in your life. The second thing it does, it, is, it gives him a stronghold. It gives him a foothold within your life. A foothold scenario is like when the Allies on, in June 1944 invaded the D-Day invasion. Mm-hmm. The D-Day invasion, that whole objective was to gain a foothold in Nazi Germany. Yes. So Normandy was a foothold. They needed to go, get on that beach, secure the beach, secure the landing areas, and so that they could flood the the flood that beachhead with soldiers, with, with, with equipment, mm-hmm. and just break out of that beachhead. And the, and the enemy threw everything he could to actually hold them on the beach and to drive them back into the sea. Now, that is exactly what is happening in this battle. That's the objective of the enemy. He wants a foothold in your life. And so if he gets that foothold in your life, he's going to pump anything and everything he can into that foothold. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be like, for example, there'll be a, there'll be a cycle. So one, one he'll, he'll, he'll bring temptation to you. You'll grab hold of that temptation. You'll sin. The second thing is he'll bring guilt and conviction. Then he'll try and bring shame so you'll cover it up you add to it you know and so yeah, things yeah, just yeah. escalate 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 and oftentimes Christians find themselves in a situation where they cover up sin and I've been teaching on the series now last in this last couple of Sundays of how how Christian friends don't help mm. each other by helping them cover up sin because it just it, this is what it activates yeah. this this is the objective of the devil yeah he cannot attack you frontwise. Now, if, he, if, if let's say hypothetically, yeah. a demon appears. Okay. And uh, what, what would your reaction be? I uh, mean... I would hope it would be, <laughs> be gone! And I'd draw my sword from behind my back and swipe his head off and then stand on the corpse. That's a bit morbid, but... <laughs> I would hope I would rebuke him in Jesus' name and send him packing, but I would probably be terrified out of my mind. All right. I've, I, 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 my, I do not have a deliverance ministry, but I have been in quite a few deliverance situations where I've had to exercise a ministry of deliverance in a person's life. I've, I mean, I've seen a guy slither across the floor like a snake, literally like a snake, hands on his side, on his stomach, bang, right across the floor. I've seen a guy with a broken arm, beat up six guys you know and and and, and you know, all sorts of weird and wild things all yeah right? um the the initial impact the initial realization when this happens your your first response is no yeah you know i can imagine but, but, it would but, be, yeah. but probably no but probably you're not saying no in that nice resign for you Oh no! Oh, yeah. you know the realization, <gasps> shock, horror. You know, mm. the second response is an adrenaline rush, man. And that adrenaline rush, mixed with that initial response of of realization, coupled with fear, that you know, it terrifies you. Mm. But once you get through that initial response. And, and, and begin to exercise the weapons of your warfare in that situation, you will get stronger. Definitely. And it will get weaker. And eventually it will flee. Mm. 
Okay, so you you you've got to understand. There's there's that there's that initial confrontation that will take place. Yeah, terrifying as it is. Now the devil knows. The devil knows. If he comes at you and you stand, he is the one that's going to run. Well, it's like one of those one of those frogs in the Amazon. This is a strange analogy, but. Those frogs that are able to puff themselves up to like fifty times their normal, their normal size. So when a bird comes down, it's easily going to take this frog out. Frog's like, ah! <laughs> I'd love to see that. And gets real big, and the bird's like, oh man, this thing's scary, and runs away. But really, the frog's just a little tiny frog, yep. just putting a lot of puff and words into what he's doing. Yeah, definitely. I'll find you a video if you want. <laughs> yeah, do that. Do that. <laughs> It'd be very interesting to see. Now, you Amazing. also wanted to, before we wrap up, you also wanted to get into counterfeits. Yeah. And I have no idea what this topic is about, except what is a count? What is a counterfeit, David? Okay. Well, we've got we've got a few minutes left, so we've we're basically running out of time again. Uh, so just yeah, just initially in terms of the aim of of, of Satan. His aim is to tackle you without tackling you, and you need to realize that. And once we once we start uncovering his weapons, uh, and 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 the various names of different types of demons, you'll be able to get a, start getting a handle on it. And then after that, what I want us to do is be be able to start beginning to bring this to bear. Mm. So we take chapter one, we take chapter two, we take chapter three, and we start wrapping it together and say, well, how how can I apply this? Yes. Daily. Yeah. Without having to walk around, you know, oh, demon, demon, you know, attack, attack, attack. Or walk around asleep as well yeah. and be ignorant of it. So just walking around, knowing this, and then bringing it to bear when it needs to be brought to bear. So yep. that's, that's my objective. Uh, another way that the enemy, uh, and I'm just going to throw this out, um, I might not spend a lot of time on it, and you can go and do the research, and it'll be in the book as well, is the devil throws a lot of counterfeits at you, Okay. He creates nothing. He produces nothing. He, he, he counterfeits everything of God. So if there's something that God has created and produced, I'm not saying physical creation, I'm talking like the church, I'm talking about the gifts in the church, you will find a counterfeit from the devil about that. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the, the counterfeit, the, the objective of a counterfeit is... And this is the definition of a counterfeit, is that which is made in imitation of something with a view to defraud. It is a substitution of the false for the true. Now, the value of the counterfeit is that it can be produced cheaply, but it must be of such, um, I don't know, it must, the value of, the, the better the counterfeit, the more you will not be able to determine the truth between it. You know, between it, between and, the it and the real thing. Yep. This is why the religious spirit, and we're going to spend a lot of time on the religious spirit. This is why the religious spirit within the church is the most dangerous force in the church today. And why the religious spirit takes out so many Christians. Because it counterfeits the Holy Spirit. It counterfeits the spirit of Christ so effectively, or the, the spirit of the church so effectively. So people get caught up in the religious spirit and religiosity and Phariseeism mm. without even being aware of it. And it sounds very yeah. very holy and spiritual yeah. where it's, like you say, a counterfeit. Mm. So everything that God has created, Satan's got a knockoff. Yeah. Let me give you a few. Uh, Hell's Trinity. Okay, so you've got, you got God the Father, you've got God the Son, you've got God the Holy Spirit. 
All right, so you've got in health trinity, you've got the dragon, Satan. He's the counterfeit of the father. You've got the beast, the antichrist, who is the counterfeit of the son. And then you've got the false prophet, which is the counterfeit of the religious spirit. Okay, so that's you. So, so within each of those Wait, fields, the counterfeit of the religious spirit? Counterfeit of the Holy Spirit is yeah. a false prophet. Yeah, cool. Especially in end times. You, you see that he, he, he comes in and he promotes the Antichrist as the Holy Spirit is out promoting Jesus Christ. Okay, I see. You've got a lot of false spirits out and about. So, you know, the work of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. One of the things we're going to teach you later on is, is to judge every spirit that comes into your presence. Judge every... And this is why I'm, I'm bringing this in now, so that you, you know that you have the right to actually question and judge these things mm-hmm. uh, and challenge these things and challenge ministers and challenge these because there are false counterfeits out there in the church. Remember my sermon on the, on, on the two trees and the leaves intertwining? We'll share that later on as we deal with weapons. Yeah. So okay, you got the uh, you got false spirits out there. You got a false gospel, uh, a perverted gospel. That's half the New Testament letters have been written to try and neutralize yep. the false gospels. Counterfeit ministers, two Corinthians eleven thirteen for false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming them transforming themselves into angels of 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 Christ. No wonder Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Um, you've got counterfeit christians hmm. as well yep now that's an interesting thing it is an interesting thing <laughs> but we'll we'll talk about it later just in the interim matthew thirteen twenty four to 30 uh begin studying the parable the parables of jesus regarding the kingdom of god and you'll read that there you you can read in there that there are um counterfeit christians all right now I'm not talking about born-again Christians who've backslidden, who've grown cold, yep, or who've walked away from the Lord. I'm talking about counterfeit, unconverted, non-professing people that pose as Christians in the church today. Are they aware that they're posing as Christians? Hypocrites, counterfeits, they're counterfeits, they know it. The false teachers, the false teacher knows it. Right, Okay. As far as I'm concerned. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I just, well, we'll wrap up here. But well, hang on. Counterfeit Church. Oh, you got more. Well, I've got one more. Yeah, okay. Counterfeit Church. You can see that um, there, there is a Counterfeit Church. We have Revelations chapter 17. You can go and read about that. So he has a counterfeit of every single one everything, of God's thing. Everything that God has, the devil will have a counterfeit. Go to the gifts. There's a counterfeit for every gift out there. Mm. Revelation, especially in Revelation, especially prophetic gifts, especially from that, you've got counterfeit spirits coming in. So you've got to be very, very careful in what you listen to because his purpose, his major purpose is to defeat, defeat the purpose of God in your life. I, rem- I remember the first one of the times I came to you and I was talking about how I'm a very cynical person. I'm very uh, judgmental. I'm very cynical. I was very woebegone with myself. But you said, well, it's not cynicism that you're, that you're delving into. You just you have a desire for the truth. You're very careful with what you put in to your Absolutely. heart. So you see, there's that counterfeit where I was operating out of, oh, I'm a cynical, no something or other. You know, I'm I'm not that. I'm I'm just a seeker of truth. Well, the religious spirit, the religious spirit will come at you and say, "Don't question this." Hmm. God said, "Yeah." And what what do most Christians do? The minute the minute someone puts that God said, 
you got to do this or God, God told me to do this. Then what they're saying is you don't question me. Yeah. That is in contradiction to the word of God. Yeah, it is. The, the, the word of God says, test every spirit. And I was, I was operating out of, you know, and so, so what, ha- what, 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 I don't know whether we've mentioned this on the podcast, but what we need to do is learn to redeem words, learn to redeem patterns and operational procedures, which we'll be doing as we go into weapons training. And one of the, one of our weapons is to be able to go in and judge and discern, exercise the gift of the discernment of spirits. Hmm. So, yeah. Cool. That's it. All right. Well, let's wrap up because we're over time again. again. But next week, we're going to be talking about David. Would you like to introduce? Because this is the it. this is it for the enemy. What we're going to do is, we, yeah, this is it for the enemy. What we're going to do is next week start looking at um, the threefold attack the devil uses, and I'm busy trying to develop that at the moment. So it's it's in development stage, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll look. We'll start looking at how these. Threefold attacks, how they, how, how different demonic forces use them, and how they actually can can oh, how, how the same attack is disguised in different areas. So you'll have you'll have a religious spirit working in the New Age, and you'll have a religious spirit working in a specific type of church denomination. Same DNA, same objective, but they just disguise themselves differently. They look different. So we have a look we're at that. talk at that. Cool. That'll be a couple of sessions, and then we'll go into actual discussing specific weapons. The weapon of dece- deception. How does it work? Weapon of disappointment, despondency, rejection. How do they work? Great. That sounds good. And then our weapons. And then our weapons. Cool. Once again, guys, we'd love to hear comments and feedback, and we'd love to hear questions as well. If there are any uh, unresolved questions you might have about the enemy or any of the subjects we've looked into, feel free to uh, send us an email. You can find all our contact details on www.life-house.net, and we love to hear questions and stuff because it's... it's it's part of that's part of why I enjoy being here with David because I'm the one in the room. I get to ask all the questions of him. But you guys, so yeah, email us your questions if you can. But other than that, yeah, if we get enough questions, we'll set aside a session just to answer the questions. Frequently asked questions. Yeah, podcast. All right, thanks, guys, and we'll see you next week. Cheerio, guys. Have a good week. Mm-hmm.